Hello, hello, and welcome to Evolving Us. I'm Ashley, and this is episode two of our podcast for our second season. Um, today I'm going to be recording a solo episode, so it's just going to be me. Shout out to Jules, miss you already. Um, and I'm here to give you guys some updates, just to connect a little bit and share um, some stuff, some deep, deep. And those of you that are frequent listeners to this podcast over the last, whatever, two years, who knows, sporadically, um, you know that this podcast is rooted in vulnerability, being real, being unfiltered, and just allowing a sense of witnessing to process, to create a cohesion in the human experience of just how we do life, how we experience each other, how we consume content. So uh, for those of us that have not met before, maybe you're new to the community or you're uh, signing up for ceremony or maybe you were sent this podcast by a friend, welcome. (laughs) My name is Ashley and uh, I have been um, a teacher, leader, speaker for over 12 years now and um, I work a lot in the rooted in the yogic philosophy space. However, my journey and trajectory has taken me into a lot of different worlds, one of them being uh, teaching healing practices from a trauma-informed lens, working in mental health rehab, substance abuse uh, rehabs. Um, I've taught in prisons for a little while, as well as working with people one-on-one with trauma. Um, I'm also a somatic experiencing practitioner on my second year now of school, and uh, that allows me to work one-on-one with people in a more fixated and specific way to resolving trauma. Um, I also teach meditation, breath work, I lead teacher trainings, I speak on platforms, I do uh, panels, I also um, run a wellness community, Ashley Schubert Wellness, and that was born in uh, 2020, essentially, right around the time that COVID happened um, as we transitioned online. So now I'm currently in the process of building out uh, a multi-dimensional wellness space in the marina, Marina Del Rey in LA for my local people. Um, and I want to tell you more about that, but I also want to get back to being a human because the bio shit's cool. However, um, it's not what we do that makes us valuable. It's actually who we are. So working in all those spaces has been incredible. Working in other spaces where I'm teaching like tap backs on a cycle bike with trap music and sculpt and squats and and fitness that feels sexy and fun, as well as a more gentle approach of yoga nidra and calming relaxation somatic practices. Um, I don't think there's a space in the teaching world, uh, healing world, that I don't um, find interest in. Um, I think I'm interested mostly in humans being well and healthy, not just physically, but mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. And I think that really stemmed from my own personal hell, right? I um, I recall this moment recently. I, I work with a coach who I love so much. He's incredible. Um, he said to me after a few months of coaching, and it was in an empowering way, but he was like, Ash, your consciousness has seen some shit. And I was pretty taken back by that. I was like, uh, and then I felt validated because I realized that regardless of the, um, you know, subjective piece of what our life has been like or the way that we downplay what we're feeling or the way we walk in our unworthiness, there is still 
an immense amount of self-acknowledgement and validation that we have to do for what didn't work if we want to heal. And so I've had such an incredible opportunity over the last, I don't know, 18 months to really hone in on what healing looks like from a completely different perspective than I've had most of my life. Um, I guess I can start with that and, and where, where that's led me today um, and how that all unraveled. Um, I, I don't think I've shared this story publicly or how it all went um, for me. But um, I, I spent a really long time in my life walking with anger and resentment. My operating system was protection. And specifically in the sense that if I get hurt, I shut down like Stonewall. Or if I feel attacked, I defend, right? And and I know a lot of us know what this experience feels like, but it felt like that all the time. I felt like when I was walking through my relationships and my career, even though I did really great work, there was a sense of um, waiting for the shoe to drop or um, almost a sense of defense that was like locked in as if my nervous system was always on, always in fight or flight, always in burnout. Subsequently, since I've had so much time with myself to reflect and heal, even in the process of starting a new business, um, I have, to be transparent, uh, found a lot of patterning that I've seen in, for example, my father, um, the generation he grew up in. For those of you that are similar uh, generation as me, not only were feelings and validation and acknowledgement like that wasn't really a part of the process, There was also this lingering overhang in my family that um, you always have to be doing more than you're doing. That work is number one. So if you get a job or a gig that you have to drop everything, that's always going to be the number one priority. And that um, a lot of times recognition comes from accomplishment. That's like one of the million things I was taught, right? But when I zoom out and I look, for example, like, my dad, shout out dad, I doubt he's listening, but <laughs> my dad, um, you know, he's in his uh, early mid seventies and he still works like m- big gigs, big jobs, three days, four days, seven days at a time, back to back to back with long hours. And, um, he's in the production world. So, uh, it's not just easy work. It's like pretty manual labor. Um, very intensive, very demanding, And, um, you know, he'll come home from his gigs just totally burned out and like unresourced. And, um, I just realized in even more recent times that it's been, it's been challenging to just watch him in that space because, um, you know, just with his age, I see him getting older and I really want to, I write me, my preferences. I want to support him in, um, slowing down and recognizing that his worth and that present moment is about like the beauty, the slowing down, the taking deep breaths, the the little things. And I come up against myself a lot in this because that's what I want. And maybe what he wants is to keep working in that way and blah, 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 blah. And my entire unsatisfaction with the way he operates is mostly because it's a reflection in something that has been a pain point for me. So starting there, I'm sure, shout out if you can relate, um, but... I guess that operating system kind of was born and bred in me. And um, from that, 
I recognized that I was mostly spending my actions, behaviors, thoughts, um, and anything that I put into the universe was doing things so that I could feel loved, like doing something for love instead of doing it from love. And the difference is, which we've talked about this on the podcast before, is for love is what does the world want? Okay, cool. Let me shape shift and give it to the world. Would this please someone? Is there someone in my community, my workplace, or even my partnership or my friendships that I am going to maybe walk on eggshells in some instances or put pleasing that thing, overperforming for that thing, above and beyond my own personal needs for rest and resourcing to get the validation and recognition that I need in order to feel enough? And there's a sense of, you know, all of us doing this because we live in a world, an outer world where we're interacting with others and it feels really nice to be seen. And it also doesn't feel nice when we put things out that don't resonate with the universe. And so right off the bat, I just want to zoom out and offer you the lens that's really supported me the most in making this transition And while again, it's like sometimes we can know things for our entire life and cognitively know them, but not kinesthetically know them in our bones, our body, the cells of our tissues. And so the distinction of doing for love versus from love is for love is how can I get likes? How can I get attention? How can I get validation? How can I do something that feels like the world can say yes and give me a pat on the head? Getting married, having kids, a certain job, a bank account, blah, 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 right? Even just living unconsciously, right? Like not being intentional with the way you operate in thought, speak, action, right? Doing things from love is attuning yourself to the vibration That when you express, when you offer your gifts into the world, like whether it's supporting someone that needs you, that you love, whether it's preparing a beautiful meal, whether it's making your schedule, whether it's producing a project, whether it's being a part of a really awesome team at your job and like producing something that you know you had an impact on, doing something from love is essentially doing it from the purity and the goodness of your source energy of what you would like to divinely offer. And the way that that practically plays out in our life is like foregoing FOMO to stay in and nurture. Or saying no to taking a phone call with someone you otherwise might not feel resourced to talk to when you're at the end of your limit exhaustion wise, right? And from love is this devotion. It's like, I would give this no matter what, like what would you wake up and do for free no matter what, because you love it so much. We've all felt the source of divine alignment flow where we feel aligned that what we're, our actions are, are in alignment with what we want to give and are in alignment with what the world wants to receive. And it feels pretty like resonant and good, if you will. Um, and so just that core understanding, I think I reckoned with it, um, you know, a year and a half, two years ago, and then it just started seeping and taking place. Um, and what's interesting about healing journey, those of you that are, you know, really in the thick of it right now is that first of all, it's not linear. You're not going from point A to point B and you've arrived. It's up, it's down, it's sideways, it's backwards, it's forwards, it's, ah, it's, a, it's, a, it's a, it's a roller coaster, right? And as we process these um, experiences, they're layered. 
So saying, I want to grow, I'm ready to let something go, whether it's your behavior, your participation, your co-creation in something, um, whether you want to let something go or you want to move past something or you want to integrate a new behavior, there is a period of time where it kind of has to integrate, just like learning to drive a car. And what often can happen is we integrate a teaching or a learning or something big like, oh my gosh, like I didn't realize I was operating in this way. Let me notice all the ways that now that I'm self-aware, I can start fine-tuning that process. That part's layered. And then by the time you've kind of worked through that piece of fine-tuning, like maybe I had a limiting belief. I wasn't a morning person. I proved to myself I could get up in the morning and my whole life has changed, right? All of a sudden you have access to this deeper, newer, expanded world of possibility. Like, oh, I am a morning person. What else am I believing to be true about myself that might not be true? What other opportunities am I leaving on the table? Does this feel good to wake up early in the morning? What am I making space for in my life? Once you get there, there's a whole nother layer of stuff. (laughs) It's like the next evolution, right? It's like you've unburied this thing and it's revealed something else and it's revealed something else. And that's really the journey, right? Like how we get to walk down these paths of life and and if we're in relationship to it instead of going through the motions and wanting to arrive and just everything being okay it no longer becomes this arduous healing relationship of like I gotta work on myself I gotta work on myself I gotta work on myself it's more so I am a wonderful student of this life And the guru or the teacher or the coach or the mentor that I'm answering to is this present moment. And maybe it's the person in front of you that's triggering you. Maybe it's getting disappointed and having bigger expectations than what was met. Maybe it's an actual person that you study with. Maybe it's a process or a practice or a ritual that you've invocated into your life, right? What becomes your greatest teacher? What becomes the thing you answer to? And and that makes the things that are hard intriguing, right? Like, oh my God, I'm healing my inner child and I'm going back into all these memories or I'm going back into the things that didn't feel good. Instead of it not feeling good, we're opening the possibility for it to be something we're curious about. Like, hmm, wow, that felt that way and that felt that way. And then you see like everything is vibration, this vibration's more dense. This vibration's more light. How do I choose to walk the world with it? So all spawning right from me and my process, uh, again, in the last two years. And just to, you know, give you an understanding of, of what really cracked me open. Um, again, those of you that have been listening to this podcast, you have kind of some insight of the trajectory. But there was definitely a period of time where I couldn't even wake up. I couldn't even get out of bed. I was terrified. I was in freeze state. I was financially frustrated. I was negotiating my lease. My business was slowly coming down, 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 down as far as revenue and expenses going up and challenges coming up. And I just didn't even know what to do. And again, I couldn't, I couldn't get out of bed most days. I mean, I'm, I've probably cried every day for a year and a half now, just in the sense of like releasing energy and releasing emotion of this big grievance period. And, um, It's been a beautiful journey of coming home. And uh, I got to tell you that when you change, when you grow, when you expand, firstly, you're going to piss a lot of people off. 
There's going to be people that are used to having access to you, that are used to having parts of you that are no longer available, that are used to being able to show up in a certain way that no longer works for your boundary system. And it's, it might feel lonely and isolating at first is like that big implementation of change. Um, and what I want to say about that is like, as this stuff shifted, so, so from the get go, you know, the things that started unearthing, it was a process of revelation, as I said earlier, and the process of revelation broke down not only every single barrier of my protection, it also, here's the tears. <sighs> it took down a lot of my life. And the way that I um, showed up in so many areas. I was in a nine-year relationship with someone who's the most important like teacher of my entire life. Um, my family relationships, a lot of my friendships, um, all couldn't survive anymore. And I'm still grieving that. I'm still moving through the energy of the old dense energy of sometimes feeling like a failure or feeling like I should abide by my old programming and abandon myself to meet everyone else's needs over mine. And so like my life didn't fall apart because... I needed to suffer. My life didn't fall apart because I fucked it all up. My life fell apart so it could come back together. And there's a lot of truth in growing pains and what it takes. So just thank you for um, taking a moment to allow this space while I feel that wave of emotion <laughs> that just moved through me. Um, and I love that I get to share this with you right now. So um, there, there was a combination. There was a trajectory. Most of my life I spent in the wellness world, in the wellness space. And so I had a lot of access to meditation, to yoga, to therapy to coaching to breath work to uh cold therapy to float sensory deprivation tanks to acupuncture and I practiced all of them bhakti yoga chanting like all of it I practiced all of it and while the um the process of it took a long time for me to really see what I needed to see um, it almost felt like an accumulation, like a simmer, a slow simmer of um, really powerful lessons that needed to be unearthed for me. Um, and so where it all started, which I've shared this before a little bit on Instagram, is there were three major factors that um, took effect at the time period that I keep discussing. 
Um, and they all came together in this beautiful conglomerate of awakening and pointing me in the direction that I wanted to go and um, really that I was called to go. And the, uh, the process of this was challenging, painful, disruptive, invigorating, expansive, explorative, um, just powerful. And uh, it all kind of started around um, the end of July in 2022. And I, uh, I embarked on my first plant medicine journey. And um, it was not ayahuasca where you're throwing your brains up and meeting the demons of your life. It was actually a medicine that is a heart opener medicine. And the reason why that one was so impactful for me is specifically because my heart was buried under layers and 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 layers. It was like, like my heart is so big. My heart is so radiant. Like I have so much love to give. And I always felt like even though I could give, 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 I couldn't receive because receiving meant that I was going to get hurt. And uh, so the heart medicine gave me the opportunity to feel embodied and separate to my pain and in a moment of goodness and love and oh my gosh, like I can let down my guard. And um, obviously it wasn't once, it wasn't twice, it was several times and now medicine is something that I'm very involved in and very passionate about, of course, in like a more off the beaten path setting, right? Ceremonious settings where there's intention, facilitation, and a specific framework of doing it so that it's safe and supportive and intentional. Um, and that was the first step. And then uh, the day after that, I, I got on a plane with Jules. Jules and I had that experience and um, went to Tulum to lead a retreat. And uh, the next day I decided that sadhana, which means um, spiritual practice, holy practice, um, sadhana, meditation, uh, daily ritual was now an ongoing non-negotiable for me. That now with this information, um, I was ready, not that I was solved in one, one day, right? But I was actually ready to um, sit with myself and uh, embody clear sight and witnessing of my own inner child's needs around worthiness, around connection, around adaptability, around self-abandonment, codependency, um, and everything in between. And this was hard because I spent most of my life, um, without knowing this, walking in the world thinking that any sign of me being made wrong for existing, like me just being me, was wrong. Like, oh, you did that wrong or you didn't do that right or something like missed the mark meant defense and you're under attack. And I reckoned with an immense amount of self inner criticism that I was giving to myself rooted from my mother wound where, um, you know, I lived again. My parents did such a beautiful job in just so many amazing ways. Um, but there was, and there was a piece in my mother wound where there was a ton of just criticism, can't get it right. Judgment. You're wrong. I'm right. Um, emotional immaturity and just, it felt very challenging for me to be seen as a child. So 
you know, that subsequently carried on into my life and it, it affected the operating system of a lot of my relationships and just the way I interact with life, right? Feeling scarcity, defense, clenching on a consistent basis. Um, I couldn't sit still, right? Like I couldn't be with myself. So number one was the medicine. Number two, meditation. And number three, somatic experiencing. And this uh, is something that, um, you know, it's definitely a buzzword right now. Uh, But however, it is a really real and impactful and important and potent and powerful um, body of work that uh, allows us to release trauma in a really um, supported and contained way. And if you're not familiar with SE, excuse me, it uh, addresses the whatever we're navigating on the level of the nervous system. So it essentially is, whether it's one-on-one or group, um, it's a, a way of being guided in and out of the activation and settling cycles of your system. So working with what makes you irate? What makes you dysregulated? What makes you frustrated? What makes you shut down? What makes you feel joy? What makes you feel goodness? What makes you feel um, love, connection, intimacy? And really diving into the way that that's neurologically stored in the body. For example, um, you know, many of us will go through life with calendars full and we'll go to like events and friends' houses and we'll live our life wanting joy, doing the things that bring joy, but not even experiencing joy in the moment. And whether that's because you were taught that you couldn't ever, you weren't worthy of feeling the fullness of joy, or you could never feel the full expression of joy without pain or punishment. Um, there's a lot of different things that can result in that space. So, um, it's really just taking a look at the way we operate in our life and saying, am I doing this in a way that allows me the fullness of the ease when I deserve it and the fullness also of the anxiety and the fight or flight when that's necessary too. There's um, a podcast going around online and I've seen some memes made out of it and uh, this woman said that a lot of times uh, someone who is in immense trauma or fight or flight will choose a familiar hell over an unfamiliar heaven. And so a lot of times with our nervous system, we are stuck in states that um, we're completely unconscious to. And we're feeling things like anxiety for things that are not anxiety prone. We're feeling a baseline of stress and burnout and not because we're overwhelmed by doing too much. I mean, that's one of the things. But the other part is like, how does our body and system interact with the world when things get challenging? Because overwhelm means that you're being stimulated beyond your capacity, right? And so what that means is that as humans, because we're adaptable, we have neuroplasticity, we have resiliency, we can change our capacity. So if me picking up the phone when I'm not in a good mood with my mom makes me feel dysregulated and shut down, maybe tomorrow I'm starting to work with that. I'm starting to work with why. I'm starting to meet my own needs internally. I'm starting to feel the relinquishment of her power over me. And then all of a sudden my capacity for talking to her has changed because I've healed that part of myself or I've worked with that part of myself enough to feel resourced, enough to detach from her being a certain way and all the old trauma that got me locked into the bind of not being able to accept her as she is. So on and on, so much about SE. But I started doing 
somatic experiencing therapy um, with a therapist who is just incredible. I do it with her on Zoom. She's in uh, on the other side of the country and she is an incredible human. She's not some Instagram influencer, follow me and I have all the keys and here's my channel and here's my content. She's super low key, like her website. I don't even think she has a website. Um, and I was referred to her from my SE community as someone that's just so well known in the space around trauma healing. So I started working with her and the trajectory of my life just really, really started to change and shift, um, along with those other two resources, of course, along with yoga and practices that are supportive. But I will say that after these three things, integrating them over the last bit, um, my yoga is more full. My love, my intimacy is more full. My friendships are more full. Like I have the ability to feel more depth than I did before, which is something I'm interested in all the time, right? Like, and and not more in the sense of abundance, like uh, too many things, more is in like depth, right? Like more deeper. Like I don't want 26 best friends. Like I want six that know me so well, right? Like how does that ratio give you perspective of of what your needs are and, and what is actually most important to you? Because we all have different wants. We all have different desires. And as long as you're meeting yourself, I think you're pretty good. But uh, that that awareness to, to be able to meet yourself, you have to recognize that you have needs <laughs> and that the world is not responsible for meeting your needs. Mm, that's a big one. You are. You are, and and it doesn't mean you're on your own, but it means you are responsible and accountable for finding the resources that are going to give you the opportunity to walk through the world and not be a dick, <laughs> you know, like I was, like I am still sometimes. Oh, yeah. So I want to sh- shift gears a little bit here, um, and actually, before I do, I do want to say that through the SE work that I did, um, I was also deeply inspired by that along with um, my background in trauma-informed teaching. I used to teach in prisons, mental health rehabilitation, substance abuse rehabs. Um, I've taught in anxiety clinics for teens. I've taught uh, mindfulness for um, high trauma environments in inner city schools with third graders. And that really drove me to be so uh, grateful and integrated in the somatic process that, you know, I enrolled in becoming a somatic therapist, somatic practitioner myself and I'm in my second year now and uh, taking clients and using this work and it's kind of crazy because I had clients coaching clients that I was working with one-on-one for years and after one SE session we broke through some powerful stuff that we had been just circling for quite some time so just as a teacher and a healer I feel so grateful for that as a resource to serve my students better my clients better and of course myself and just my relationship to life um, and, and the people that are close to me. So yeah. Um, anyway, let's shift gears. So I want to talk about, um, the studio. (sighs) Nice exhale. I'm used to recording with Jules, so I'm just going to keep going. Um, the studio. So, oh God, I don't even know where to start. It's, uh, it was a project that came to me in, uh, October of 2022, ish when the studio we were renting for our community for live classes in LA closed down because they were pivoting their business model and there were so many amenities there that I just loved and I couldn't find them anywhere else I looked around the city to try to find other places to rent 
I also started looking around the city to try to find small places that I could just like, okay, fine. Like this is a big scale for me to go from running my online platform and doing pop-up classes in person for our members to like actually fully taking on the responsibility of like rent besides what I pay where I live, right? Like just expanding in that way. And obviously it was called for, otherwise I wouldn't be here. Um, but yeah, I went from these small little places like, you know, a thousand square feet, 2000 square feet. How much space do I really need for a yoga studio? What types of classes do I want to run? And then, um, and then my agent walked me in January, 2023 into this space. And I walked in and I looked at her and I was like, is this a joke? (laughs) And she's like, what do you mean? And I was like, this is huge. The ceilings are so high. I'm so overwhelmed. And this is like triple the stats I gave you. And she was like, you know, I want you to just look at it. And I was like, okay, all right. So I went, took a look. I walked around the space. I had a feeling inside that this was it. (laughs) And I had no idea the tears were coming again. that I could like believe in myself this much like my initial thought was like there's no way and I'm not good enough and so to be completely transparent with where I was then to where I am now it's like I'm just like shook you know especially to revisit the year ago version of me that like like I want to hold her and be like you are good enough and and you got this and um I went to a friend's house right after um seeing the space and I'd already put a few offers in another place and he looked at it and he goes you have to you have to do this you have to submit the offer letter tonight now And if you don't do this, what's it going to feel like in five years? And like, I had to really come back to my why because it's like, was I renting a studio to meet the needs of my clients and being in that space of self-abandonment? Or did I want to open a beautiful organization that made the world better? And so the opportunity I had to really reckon with that as I sat with this like, this offer letter with a massive price point with all the possibilities of what could be I I hit send and took some breaths (laughs) and um of course in this market retail is like uh, a commercial space is like abundant right like you can get anything anywhere um but still we went back and forth on the lease and it took um four or five months just to negotiate the lease and all the while there were so many challenges. There were so many challenges. One of them being like, how am I going to pay for this? (laughs) Right? Like I didn't have investors. I didn't have like a parent that was going to help me out financially. I had me to figure it out. And first of all, the belief system that because of that, just because of that fact that I would never be capable of doing it had to be broken down, like, like, like slayed, like a death to this idea right away in order for me to even move forward and so the way that my confidence built in this is um 
you know, getting contractors to the space and having them bid out what the bill would be, uh, the builds would be, and just getting more and more information, understanding more and more about the undertaking of what this was going to be. So I had a lot of like, like upfront, here's the first thing that happened. And this was like probably one of the hardest things because of the delays it created. The first thing, and I'm going to be, uh, as elegant and classy as I can with this, but we had, um, some very important misinformation that came through around, um, the requirements to either build permitted or unpermitted. Obviously building unpermitted is a risk. We could have gotten our asses handed to us. Like that wouldn't have been the way to go. But at the time I didn't know what the fuck I was doing. I was told that we could go either way. And if we went the second way, like unpermitted, it would be a faster build. There's a chance that, you know, the city would be like, Hey, this is like, you know, you need to like get permits for X, Y, Z. And it would just delay the project. Again, granted, I have no idea what I'm doing, right? I wasn't trying to go unpermitted to like not follow the rules. It was more so that it was presented to me in a way that, um, and again, not just by a contractor that wanted the job, but more so by someone who was a key player in the decision-making on the ownership side. Um, Basically said permitted or unpermitted, even if you go unpermitted, like it's okay to go unpermitted, like as long as you follow regulations and you're building a safe space. So I was like, oh, cool. That makes more sense. So months and months go by of negotiating the lease, getting us all ready. I had some contractors go in and take uh, bids of the space. One of the contractors was recommended by the other side. Um, and we decided to not go with that contractor because he was, um, he, f- I felt like he wasn't um, explaining enough information to me. And I knew that if I was going to be a part of this project that like I had to have someone that was kind of willing to um, meet me in certain ways. And some of the bids I was getting from him were very confusing. And when I asked him to outline them, he just couldn't really back up some of it. And that's, you know, maybe that's his process. That's totally fine. But for me, that didn't work for me and where I'm at. So I decided to go with a different contracting team. Um, And then I got their bid. Their bid was, you know, in a very reasonably priced space. We didn't have to do any plumbing adjustments because there were already showers in the space. So uh, we had the opportunity to just um, do a pretty minimal build, to be honest, for the most part. Um, And so I went with that contractor. I got the lease signed, blah, 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 blah. Then I find out after the lease is signed that we can't not do permits. Like we have to be permitted. And I was like, hey, you said this. Now you're saying this. You know, I was trying to like clarify and there was no wiggle room. So I was like, okay. So now, not only that, I had to go back and get a ton of groundwork done. Like I had to go back and do a different style of architect plan. I had to submit plans to the city. I had to hire um, someone who, by the way, so many parts of the studio opening were um, divinely guided, right? Like one of my all-star teachers, his husband, is um, he works for uh, permit expediting uh, with the city. So like, again, all these beautiful uh, supportive resources came into play. So I hired him, got the plan submitted, delay, 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 delay. And I kept reaching out to my contracting team like, hey, do you need to prepare? Because we're about to start the build. Lots going on nothing, nothing, nothing. Yeah, we're fine. I got everything ready. And so we get our permits cleared and we're one week before Christmas, right? And we're about to start building. (laughs) This is like one of the small, smallest things that happened, right? Like there's so many, well, this is actually a major thing that happened, but, um, it's one of the many. So (laughs) 
I'm getting all this like really interesting back and forth from my team, from the landlords, from like all of that on trying to get our steel delivered. My team wanted to bring it up through the staircase and ownership wanted us to like actually get a crane, bust the window, lift it two floors and stick it in through the window. And so what I found really quickly (laughs) is that not only was my contractor, my GC, um, unable to really communicate and coordinate things like this. He was also completely unqualified for this job. Now, mind you, I had many conversations with him of like, Hey, I just want you to know, like I'm putting a lot into this. So, um, you know, we're going to have to kind of be on point with this project because, you know, for whatever reason, if it doesn't work, you know, this is, this is, I'm putting everything into this, everything I have into this. So, um, you know, I just want to keep the communication clear about like where you're at with things. And, uh, I, for just so everyone knows, because I am very open to sharing this. Like I said, I didn't have investors. I don't have my parents' money. I don't have support. I don't have someone who believes in me. I am financially on my own in the sense of building this. So, these bids, these quotes, like all of these things mattered because all of like, I I went to every single bank in town, every single bank pounding on their door. Like, Hey, can I get a loan? Hey, can I get a loan? I don't have a ton of collateral, but Hey, can I get a loan? And I was told no, 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 no. And of course I knew someone who knew someone who (laughs) we went and Jules came with me. We went down to have this investor meeting or not even an investor meeting. It was a bank meeting in the middle of nowhere, in fuck nowhere. And we went into this car rental place with um, one of my client's husbands who was hooking us up. He's, He's incredible. He's been in commercial real estate for like 60 years. So he like brought us to his guy. It was, it felt like a car rental place and we were in this weird side office with this guy and I had, and he's like, great. So what's your project? And I was like, it was so funny. And so I showed him my deck. I showed him like my business plan deck, which by the way, I did vision boarding with my community this month. Um, We did, we, anyway, I did vision boarding and last year we did vision boarding and I was sitting with the person that was with us last year and she's like, you know, we were all making our vision boards and you were making your business plan, which was basically a vision board on Canva. And I was like, holy shit, I didn't even think about that. And of course the vision's here, but um, I showed it to him, I proposed it to him and he just looks at me and he goes, I believe in you. He's like, I'm going to get you the loan. (sighs) I knew this episode would be a thing. And I like really appreciate all these moments that I had the chance to like be reflected in my own worth until I realized it. Because I don't know that this would be the same if not. So he's like, I believe in you and I'm going to get you approved. It's an SBA government loan and we're going to figure it out. And so I was like, all right, let's do it, you know? And so my loan was capped out, right? Like I have a limit. Everything I do, like literally steel framing, like website design, like everything. I have to literally write an email to my loan officer. She has to get the payment approved. Then she sends the money. It's not like I just got a chunk of money and I could like go build this thing. Everything's regulated, which makes it really challenges, um, a lot of parts of myself. So another opportunity to grow. Right. Um, so we got the loan, um, and we had that available, but yet I was really freaking out on day one when, 
the steel framing couldn't get in the building because we couldn't even like it took so long to get the project started and I was so like let's just go already let's just go already let's just go already and I feel like in that process I kind of disregarded my intuition on a lot of things that were really important which again is okay I'm learning a lot from that um and so uh, somehow some way um my GC had someone that was helping him with the frame delivery that day and um the person he had helping him unbeknownst to me is now has now become my project manager for the entire thing and took over everything after seeing the situation and was like uh is everything gonna be okay with this (laughs) and I was like um you seem to know what you're doing let's talk (laughs) and then little did I know he's directly related to so many aspects of my life and uh he's directly related to my old mentor who owned the space that originally closed when I was renting from him. He's directly connected to, um, my inner circle, my deep, deep community. He's directly connected to my coach. Um, and it's just, it was such a bizarre turn of events and I'm like, holy shit. So, and and not to mention that this person that is now my project manager for the construction site not only is he beyond talented, beyond gifted, this is someone who I have just a very deep soul connection with. This is someone who right off the bat saw my vision, right off the bat jumped in, right off the bat, no questions asked, was willing to um, be a part of this with me. He is not someone I hired. He is someone that is on my team together with me, that is building this vision with me um, and and the rest of us. Um And he demonstrates that over and over by the way he's taken the project on as if it was his own, by his considerations for budget expansion, for aesthetics, for integrating um, even the little things. Like he'll look, we'll walk around the site and he's like, I'm changing this, I'm changing that. I think you're going to need this. I think you're going to need that later. Let's do this so later you don't have to deal with that. And just like that amount of care and attention to detail Oh my God, it put me so at ease. And um, with that, everything changed. Um, First of all, the original GC bid that I got, while it had an itemized breakdown, it was like not backed up by any real bids. It was not backed up by anything relevant or real. And so my project went from the cost that it was supposed to be to um, an increase of about 200%. And we're not talking about like a small amount, right? (laughs) Like... So not only did the project increase, my budget was capped. This thing could have completely flopped and been really fucked up if I had just gone on with the rushing idea of like, let's just get it done with the other team. I mean, I guess I don't really know what would have happened because I'm not there. But um, I do know that there's was some really big divine alignment of my, of me being supported in the space of, of naivety, of not knowing better. Um and you know anything worthwhile is is worth learning and growing so I'm I'm really grateful but anyway so I have him he's my PM now and you know the space started building a week before Christmas we announced um we not only did we announce but we had a really powerful announcement with all of our teachers and and shout out to all of our teachers like oh my god we have a team of 22 and they're like incredible souls that are making waves in their worlds that are um, bringing a lot of light, a lot of support, a lot of expansion into their classrooms, their communities, their spaces. And um, I think that the divine alignment of 
pretty much each of them has all been pretty uh, synchronous and I, I feel super grateful for them. But we had an amazing launch. Um, and from working at WeWork previously and Core Power for many years, I knew what it was like to, to tour a construction site, to sell memberships, to get a business going. So um, we've been selling memberships ever since. Um, and they're founding memberships. So like they're at a really low price point based on what it's going to be when we open, as well as they offer a shit ton of perks, um, discounts forever, blah, blah, blah. Um, as well as free unlimited access to my current app, which has thousands of movement videos, meditation, breathwork, personal development, all of it, as well as live stream classes every week. We also do pop-up classes in LA that we rent space until the space is open that, um, ceremony founding members all get access to, and they're not even billed until we open on March 1st. So we set up a stellar deal for that. But anyway, um, we've been selling memberships. We've been using our marketing efforts. You know, I hired a social team. I've got, you know, my, um, my internal project manager for systems and operations. Um, I've got, you know, my core team of who was with Ashley Schubert Wellness, you know, Jules, Katie, and the leadership team, Ashdrock, uh, Zavi, and, you know, just more of the extended team that are transitioning over, but it's like, it takes a village. (laughs) It really takes a village. Um, and so since December, uh, the week before Christmas, we've been building and we got our steel framing walls up. We've got our drywall, our electricals going in right now. Um, we've got the drop ceiling in the yoga studio. We've got the retail wall. We're upgrading the bathrooms. There's, you know, it's all in process. Um, and we're slated to open March 1st, which is so soon and so exciting. Um, and I can, can't even imagine and envision how the space is going to come to life with not only the members that have already signed up that are like already getting to know each other in community, um, or all that the space offers. And so I'll just like explain that a little bit because it's, you know, this is the vision. This is what I was so inspired to create. Um, the space is 5,000 square feet. There's two studios inside of the space that are group fitness or event spaces. One of them is mostly like yoga, breathwork, meditation, women's circle, more like light work. And it's going to be like white walls, minimalistic, white drapes, hardwood floor, big mirror, dark, dim, dimmable, recessed lighting, um, you know, a big uh, custom millwork cabinetry, open cabinetry for like the yoga props, um, a beautiful altar space for us to create ritual in some of the events and the programs that we do there. And then there's the other room, which is a black ceiling, black floor, black gym mat floor, black walls with um, neon strip lighting that can be changed for classes, for events, um, for anything that we need. And that room will be cycle. So we're getting bikes. <laughs> well, well, we already have bikes, but um, they're going in. And we're doing HIT, boot camp, uh, yoga sculpt, resistance bands, any of that more um, strength-based fitnessy training. And both studios are fully equipped with HD live stream equipment. So cameras, audio, microphone setup, all of that to be streamed through Zoom for classes if you're not in the studio. And then everything's recorded. So not only do my teachers and coaches have content available, but the ceremony membership will also include access to all of that in case you miss a class or, you know, you're looking to um, develop in some other way. Maybe you want to try a hit class, but you don't want to come in studio or you want to just do a breath work before bed. Like that's all there. Um, and we're the, we're making, um, both of those spaces convertible for again, events. You could do theater style seating with Ted talks that are live streamed. You can also do uh, book signings, book launchings, wellness summits, all kinds of fun stuff like that. Again, the, the smaller studio or the white studio, 
circles, um, rituals, bhakti yoga, music performances, all kinds of fun stuff like that. Um, and then there's also um, showers and lockers and bathrooms so that um, I found, you know, with my team and doing some research that uh, showers are not as important, meaning they don't, people don't use them as much, but that they're nice to have. So if you're like working out on your way to work or if you're going out to dinner after, you can shower at the space and, you know, that's all available. So I always say that options are better than no options, right? There's 150 covered parking spots down in the lot and there's an elevator that comes straight to our front door. There's a giant high ceiling lobby that's really open and airy for community, community events and connection right by the front desk. There's also a one-on-one private um, somatic healing and yoga studio or any one-on-one work. It's available for that. Um, And that's to promote more um, encouragement, not just around the group space, but also in the one-to-one space because uh, I find that to be a really important part of of our work in wellness. So there's that. That's rentable. The whole space is going to be rentable for events and, and we're going to do tons of events, tons of fun stuff there besides just the daily weekly classes with all of our people. Um, yeah. And it's, it's, it's expanded and it's beautiful and like I'm so good. I'm so happy and I'm so invigorated and I'm also learning so much my gosh I'm learning so much um and so where I stand today just in reflection of all of that is first of all I had to absolutely one million percent relinquish my self-abandonment tendencies if I was going to step into this and not be broken in half by every piece of bad news that comes across my phone right like I had to decide okay something happened okay something happened okay let's be solution oriented here. Let's honor the feelings of like, oh my God, what if the clenching, but let it pass, right? Because there's no way that this thing's going to get built and run and operated by someone with a dysregulated nervous system. And I think that's not talked about in business. It's not talked about in the world generally of like, even if we're, you know, working for a company, but like, we're generally feeling like, oh my God, I have to prove myself all the time. Our subsequent actions, thoughts, and the way that we, we give ourselves into the space is like, for that common goal versus to like bring fruits to the space, right? Being, being of service. In fact, that's been the number one game changer for me. My, my Ishtadeva, the deity that I practice with in the yogic world is, is Hanuman and Hanuman is the deity of service, divine, deep, unconditional service. Now that doesn't mean self-abandonment. It doesn't mean serve others above yourself. It means service to the divine. It means that if I have to navigate an uncomfortable moment in order to fulfill what I'm here to do, like my human preferences of it can kind of get out of the way for a moment. And that's what following your calling and your purpose is like about, right? I want to iterate that none of what I'm building is about owning a studio. And everything I'm building is about sharing and spreading the opportunity for people to find home in themselves, whether it's the first time, the 10th time, or the 17th, 100th time, right? Is finding home in yourself, finding resource in yourself. And my journey was inspired by that undeniably. And this idea that I can sit here in my present feeling, whether it's anxiety or stress or frustration or joy or bliss or, um, you know, feeling just so grateful, right? Gratitude is a really powerful state to frequent. Um, just all of that. It's all been the encompassment of, 
of willingness of like, okay, okay. I'm inspired and I'm sharing. And I'm doing my damn work. <laughs> uh, I have a lot more to say, but I'm just going to stop there because we've been here for an hour, almost. Um, thank you for listening, first of all. I appreciate being witnessed in my humanness and I'm excited. I'm really excited for what I get to offer. I'm really excited for the continually fine-tunement of my ability to give and my boundary and my willingness to like to fully embrace the joy in my life, not just in building a project, but in my relationships and in the time that's just for Ashley, like the time for me, the time when I'm not serving others, like that becomes more full when I'm serving from a genuine place. So uh, I hope that there were some things here that resonated with you, even if it was just learning more about the journey. Um, I've had a lot of people ask me like, how do I get involved or how do I support or like, I'm so excited for you and blah, blah, blah. Um, First of all, if the space resonates with you, sign up for founding membership. It's no commitment right now. You start paying when you start using the space. We have a 30 day policy, meaning if you sign up for founding membership on March 1st and you're like, eh, not for me, you would do March and April and then you'd be relinquished, right? You wouldn't have to stay. We have a really simple cancellation policy. However, if you sign up now, you're not billed. You get to come to the pop-up classes. You get to explore the community. You get to be a part of the build. You can come tour the space. We can connect. We can have a little more time of integration. And then you can kind of see if this container feels like a place that you want to grow in. Yeah? Yeah. And I invite you just to start by making more room in your life for yourself so you can hear that which you've otherwise been quieting because sometimes our trajectory of like what we need is just simply in listening deeper yeah making ourselves available mm, 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 mm. well this was fun I am going to tap out now but I would love to hear your thoughts about this episode please feel free to reach out to me directly on Instagram or um, you know, somewhere in the field, maybe even email too. Is, I'm totally available there just to hear like what your experience was with this podcast. Um, please again, feel free to sign up for founding membership. It's ceremony.com with no O. So the space is called ceremony and it's about making things ceremonious, whether it's a hit class or whether it's a deep breath. Um, yeah, ceremony.com. And then our Instagram is ceremony, no O underscore. And you can see some of the progress there. But uh, either way, thank you guys for tuning in, joining. I'm so grateful for this life, this life. Um, I appreciate you. Please like, subscribe, comment on any of the platforms that you're listening to and share this episode with anyone you know that might feel inspired by growth and the trajectory of learning. See you guys soon and so, so, so much gratitude. <laughs>